0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is becoming an unfortunate conversation that I seem to be having with this gentleman each and every year around this time. Now, he's one of my all-time favorites. He knows the Bayou inside and out. He's Tim Brando's right-hand man. You see him on television in New Orleans. then after what happened with the New Orleans Saints— and what's coming up with LSU, let's welcome in my main man, Scotty Alexander, to shed some light on what is happening. My boy, Scotty, how you hanging, kid? JJ, what's happening, my friend? I uh, got a little bit of a cold,
1: but I'm hanging in there, uh, particularly after a very, very dark afternoon in the Superdome yesterday.
0: Scotty, I mean, this is now the third straight year with a sense of lost in crushing fashion. Um, it hurts when you have a quarterback who's getting up there in age, I get that. But I would look at this game not nearly as crushing as last year, not nearly as crushing as the Minnesota Miracle. Because I got to be honest with you, Scotty, watching that game for four quarters, at least on Sunday, I had to take away that for that particular game, the Minnesota Vikings were a better team.
1: They, they were. I mean, they were. Their defense certainly uh, smelled blood. I'm gonna say this. I mean, the Saints forget. People forget. They led the entire first half until 23 seconds. Um, when Vikings got that uh, touchdown to go ahead. Remember, it was 13-10, to 10, but the Saints had led 10-3, then 10-6, and then it became 13-10. And then the Saints, as within 20 seconds, almost got that last-second field goal. Will Lutz, who made 32 in a row, missed a 43-yarder, which was surprising, though, to tie it up. But listen, the bottom line is this. The Vikings smell blood when they need to smell blood. The Saints uh, were hurting at two positions. Uh, most people out there probably – Think of the Saints, the old Saints, the finesse Saints, the just high-scoring Saints. Well, they can do that on occasion, but that's not who they've been lately. Their success lately has been to be a power team. Their defensive line has been elite. Their offensive line has been even more elite. Um, Top five for the last three years. easy. But yesterday, um, you know, Andrews Pete, broken arm, tried to stuck it up, played through it, uh, did not play well. Uh, he already had he had the leg problem as well, and man, he got abused. And this is a former first round pick. The entire line is first round picks, um, and uh, you know they had some issues on the outside. Ramchek, who literally is only in his second year, was named first team All Pro, not Pro Bowl, first team All Pro. He gave up two sacks. Daniel Hunter, our, our former LSU star, absolutely ate our lunch. He forced that fumble late in the game. But not only was that the offense. <clears throat> took great advantage LSU's two of their top three defensive linemen got out you know two more first round picks you know Marcus Davenport 2018 draft they gave up two first rounders just to get him and a trade with Green Bay and then um you had you had the other first rounder Sheldon Rankin both having great seasons both got hurt late no excuses there but the Vikings did what they absolutely had to do Marshawn Lattimore who's been our quarterback perhaps some say our best player um he, he plays okay the most of the game, certainly not as well as he had in the past, but he gets hurt to play before Thielen catches that big play in the overtime, and, and they went for blood that first play. They went man-to-man. Man. Thielen went for the replacement who hadn't played all day, Patrick Robinson, who ironically was another first a first-rounder who never really panned out, except when he went to the Eagles that time. But the bottom line is this. They made an amazing play when they had to make an amazing play. Kirk Cousins came through. Thielen read the defense, and they – Dropped a dime right in there, and that was the game winner because the Saints, to be honest with you, had all the momentum. Even after that fumble late in the game uh, with three minutes left, and everybody thought it was going to be over, and the Saints were just rolling like they're going to take the 24 20 lead, win the game. Breeze gets hit by a 100 fumbles. Uh, they get the ball back, and they come down and, and get the field goal. Momentum their way. They get the toss, and I'm going to say what, Vikings were very impressive. They didn't do anything in the second half uh, except for one score. Um, and they they came up big when it mattered, and uh, I got to give them credit. They have all the talent in the world. Uh, Everybody saw them on Monday night, how poorly they played against that Packers team. I mean, they got absolutely demolished, but this team tonight with Dalvin Cook back in, he made such a difference, and uh, they look like they could be contenders in the NFC that, quite frankly, I think all four teams have a shot.
0: Oh, wide open. All four of those teams could go down to Miami and play in this year's Super Bowl, and, Scotty, because... I'm watching the game. I'm tweeting about the game. I'm coming on here talking about the game. I was so taken aback by the way Sean Payton handled the final two and a half minutes. And you mentioned the momentum the Saints got back from kicking that game tying field goal. To me, it should have never came to that. The New Orleans Saints, if they handle the clock differently, they might have scored a go ahead touchdown. I hated not calling the timeout right after the Cousins sack with 2.40 to play. I hate the idea of not using the timeout. Instead, they accept the 10-second runoff. And basically, they're sending Woolworths on the field with a timeout in their back pocket. So how much heat is Sean Payton taking down there for the way the clock was mishandled over those final couple minutes?
1: Well, the, after after the Super Bowl, and the, in the preceding two years after that, uh, when they were on fire, he would take no flack, right? And then he had... Bounty Gate came up with three seven nine seasons. He would have taken a lot of heat in 2016. But now you're talking about three straight 13-3 seasons. He's got a pass, but you're right. I agree with you big time on the first one. I was even in the booth calling it. I said, call the timeout now. It's not like you have a rookie or a Josh Allen, a quarterback, that doesn't know how to handle the clock properly maybe late in the game without a timeout. You save yourself. You have two minutes and 48 seconds. Instead, you get the ball with 155, and I agree completely. Why waste that time when you could do it? I know why he did it, because he wanted to just set up for a field goal so he could use the whole field, but you have 258. He could do that anyway. So here's my problem. The second one I didn't mind. I thought it was kind of a BS call. We all know Camara flinched, right? But I went back and looked at tape. I'm going to say this. I'm tired. I'm tired of calls like that because – when you got those players running up the line, they spike the ball. i watched it 70% of the time. Somebody's not lined up right or flinches, And and that flag is ridiculous. And that flag, listen, I'm not saying they would have won the game. They would have had a better chance to get two more shots to the end zone. Who knows? They probably wouldn't have got there. They would kick the doodle anyway. But it's ridiculous. So, regardless, you, you thought that maybe should, they should have called the timeout. Well, you, then you thought they might have had a chance to win it in the, in, the, in the with the touchdown. So, if you think that, it's just kind of – it's kind of ridiculous. I don't mind them not calling the timeout because at this point, you've got 21 seconds left, right? And then you only can go to the sideline pretty much. You don't want to force and have a crazy situation where you, the clock runs out only before you get the kickoff. That situation, like you can use the whole field, and then call you timeout. They just didn't do it very well. Uh, and the and Minnesota's defense once again is a big part of that. I mean, they bent a lot in the second half and didn't break a whole lot. And they came up big when they had to. That's you know Xavier Rhodes <clears throat> As much as I think he's a punk, um, he's a darn good football player. I don't like that he points fingers when he gets beat, like he did with uh, Nolan Smith that time. Um, But the fact is, they have good football players, certainly on the defensive line. Kendricks is one of the best middle linebackers in the game. And that secondary, they're full of playmakers, man. Harris has seven picks. We know what Rhodes can do. Smith is a great ball hawk. So they're they're good. I mean, I'm not taking anything away. I'm impressed that they came down. That dome was super loud as loud as I've heard it, and those fans were on fire, but they managed to make them as quiet as Grant's tomb.
0: My main man, Scotty Alexander, primetime sports. Check him out down in New Orleans as we recap another year of a missed opportunity for the New Orleans Saints. And, Scott, last year, rightfully so, the narrative after the NFC title game was front and center about the officiating. It deserved to be that no call was as (laughs) bad as it gets on pass interference or lack thereof. I gotta be honest though, Scott, this time around, I can't make the overarching theme of this game about the push-off on Kyle Rudolph. To me, that's the sort of play. You know what I mean, Scott? If they call that offensive pass interference on the field, I can accept it. If they don't, I'm going to accept it as well. To me, New Orleans, unlike last year where the game was basically determined on that play, I can't look at these four quarters and make the same argument.
1: It's not that. It's no, no. And listen, we all know it's probably past interference. I don't mind them not making that call in the playoffs. It's the playoffs. I'm all about physical play at the end. Um, but here's my issue with it, man. Uh, you know, the, this rule is in effect because of the Saints, right? Well, the Saints. Uh, you know, they they made the first try at this uh, rule in the first game. The guy got. It was early in the game, so it didn't matter. The guy got literally mugged. They didn't. They didn't – that set the tone for what they were going to do the whole season. They didn't call the pass interference despite the challenge. However, when the Saints had a game late in the season that they ended up coming back and winning, but they, they, they got it called against them on something far less egregious than what happened at the goal line at the end of the game, which caused – I can't remember the team, but it caused them to tie that game up, and the Saints had to win it late with the last drive. And it's just kind of – Crazy and and listen, I don't believe in any of this conspiracy stuff. But when you see it time and time and time again, down here you have to. If you don't notice it, then you're blind because you don't see every game. It's just almost unbelievable at this point. And I hate people that cry because I'm not certainly going to do that. But I I was always on TV and the radio saying, "Quit blaming officials. Don't do that." But it's put in front of me time and time again. And if you watch some plays as as a neutral fan, you're not going to notice. But there's at least six plays that the call could either go either way, right? And certainly some that we knew were, were, should have been penalties, like, for instance, Xavier Rhodes, clocking your boy, helmet to helmet, Camara. And it was obvious and blatant, and he, he gets no ch- call right there. In the very next series, they have very incidental contact, and the Saints get called on the same play until another ref came running in. He got the call from New York saying, do not make that call. So they changed it on the field because it was just, almost so ridiculously blatant. I think the fans would have literally stormed the field if they didn't turn around. They did turn that call around. But it's just down here, listen, man, it's almost like all season we've known. Roger Goodell is not a fan of Sean Payton after he stood him up and dissed him at the Super Bowl. I don't know if you probably know the story. He didn't bother coming to any of the press conference stuff. He showed up an hour late for the post-Super Bowl thing the next morning. He was hungover, and he basically gave him the birdie and said, I don't care, uh, you know, I'm, I just won the Super Bowl, i not worry about you. And ever since then, it's been an ongoing vendetta. Anybody around the league knows what's happening here. But so the fans here just think, hey, we have to be good enough not just to beat the other team, but we know we're not going to get any of the calls either way. So the fact is, they still won 13 out of 16 games for three straight years, and they've done pretty well. But it seems to come up in the playoffs where they've getting burned a little bit. But they've come across three really good teams. I mean, listen, Minnesota – the Minnesota Miracle, they were beating the Saints butt in that first half. The Saints got lucky to come back in that particular game, taking the lead, and then they up losing at the end. But in last year, you know, the Rams, you know how good they were on both sides of the ball. Once again, the Saints dominated that game for most of the game, two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, and they came back, and they won it fair and square in my book. There were some bad calls, but you can't let the referee decide the game. You know, if you're not going to win it, don't complain about it afterwards.
0: All right, Scotty. New Orleans been knocking at the door the last three years. They have a really good team. Do you think this team has seen their window get closed shut because of so many missed opportunities? Or can the ageless wonder Drew Brees come back the following year? Can the Saints come back next year and make another run at a title?
1: Well, I mean, the human psyche is strange, right? I mean, listen, I remember Colin Cowart going on uh, – TV uh, at the end of last season and saying the Saints would be 6-10 and ten at best, they said they, they're going to fall apart. And Anybody knows this team. If you're in the locker room, if you're around the team, you knew that was impossible. Um, winning the division was not winning. It was, in my opinion, impossible. They've won it for three years in a row, and they won it pretty conventionally. Now... Most people would think, yeah, maybe they fall apart, but most people don't have Drew Brees or Tom Brady as their quarterback. That's never going to happen with them. Um, They've never had that drop-down year. People might be shocked ever since because the Saints, I guess, people's old memories is not great, but they haven't had a double-digit loss season since the 90s, except for the Katrina blowout year when they played all the games on the road. So they don't bottom out ever. 79 is as bad as they get. I don't – I think the – The the division will be tough. I think, uh, you know, Carolina's going to be a whole new team. I fully expect Atlanta and Tampa to be pretty good, but I still think the Saints win. You have to realize Kamara, um, Michael Thomas, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Demario Davis, another first-team All-Pro, Cameron Jordan, first-team All-Pro. I mean, they've got stallions, and those two defensive linemen I mentioned earlier are, are coming into their prime. Marcus Davenport is going to be the next Bruce Smith. Mark my words on that. And then you have Sheldon Rankins, who, to me, doesn't have the size of Warren Sapp, but he is the best interior rusher. One of the top five that I've seen gets the quarterback from the inside. So they've got ballers on this team. They'll be back. They'll be fine. Um, can they win 13 again? I don't know. Just get win 11, get to the playoffs. Who cares? When you get to the playoffs, it's a bit of a crapshoot, particularly in this NFC. I, I said before the playoffs started, all six of the teams – Maybe not Philly, but I thought the Philly was improving. At least five could go to the Super Bowl, and I still feel that these four can. So, listen, man, you, t- you take your lumps. You not you can't win every year. But Drew Brees will be fine. He has best passer rating in his career. People forget he threw twenty. I mean, fifteen touchdowns in the last four games, and he threw literally for four hundred yards per game. And he threw. Then they averaged forty points a game in their last four, and that included a couple of really good defensive teams like San Francisco and Tennessee Indianapolis not so bad themselves. So <clears throat> they've got the weapons. They're going to get healthy again. If they can stay healthy next season, I don't see why they can't be right where they are right now.
0: All right, Scotty, let's get to something that's going to put a smile on your face. It's <laughs> LSU in the national championship game against Clemson. When was the moment for you when you watched Joe Burrow and you said, wow, holy smokes, this kid's going to be a star? Very good question.
1: Um, very, very good question because I uh, kind of have a little bit of an in on this situation. The quarterback that was supposed to have that job is a very close family friend. Um, he was only in his second year, however. Um, and, you know, he was just going to inherit it, basically. And then Burrow came literally August 1st, came in from Ohio State, who he didn't get to practice in spring because he had a broken thumb. And Dwayne Haskins got the job, and he was going to be number two. But this is Burrow going into his fourth season, he didn't want to take the risk of never playing. So he came to LSU, which is not really featured quarterbacks, although they've had a history of great receivers. Literally, I can name 10 first-round picks just in the 2000s alone uh, at receiver, but they just – Joe Brady came, and I'm going to tell you this. I knew he had some moxie last year, but I knew he had leadership to be a backup quarterback, but to be a star. I saw it literally, I think it was the third game of the season – just started watching him a little bit. And then I wasn't buying in completely until Alabama, and I saw how easy it was for him to convert third downs nonstop. That's something Bama never gives up third down conversion. And he did it with regularity, and he did it against every team. And I'm going to tell you a stat that's going to blow you away. Last year, when they went to that bowl, um, I think they had a nine and three year. They got their 10th win, I believe, in the bowl. I think, that, yeah, because they had that loss to Texas AM, which was crazy. That seven seven overtime. Oh, Wild. I remember that last game of the regular season. Yeah. Wild game, how, Scotty. How about this? He played 12 games. He threw zero touchdowns in six of them. He threw 12 touchdowns on the season until the bowl against UCF. They played in the Fiesta. And UCF had a 25-game win streak. They were talking smacks. They decked him in the first quarter when they were up 14 nothing. They decked him hard, taunted him, stood over him. He was down on the ground. At that point, in the, in the end of the first quarter, he had 12 touchdowns and 2,400 yards passing, seven interceptions in 12 and a half games. Since that point, he threw four touchdowns the rest of that game, 400 yards the rest of that game. And if you add that half in these 14 games, it's 5,900 yards. He's got 59 touchdowns, 5,700 yards in 14 and a half games, six interceptions, um, and his percentage went up from 57 to to 77 in one year so he got he got a great offensive coordinator well co-offensive coordinator came from the saints joe brady 30 years old who's now been offered the head coaching job at 30 to mississippi state we hope he stays but he got that job and um and then he tutored burrow and burrow had all the other skills we knew he was a leader we knew he had poise although we didn't know he had this much poise but my goodness his decision making and his athleticism blew me away i mean i didn't know he could he could make those runs and make those split decisions check down literally three and four times without a problem uh and then he helps to have three first round receivers two for sure will be first round i'll be shocked if the third one isn't even. so that is a, a good recipe right there and um you know i put a thing out on facebook in the beginning of the season I, i'm not one of these that 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 um you know lords and talk you know uh says good things about the teams I like. I call it like I see it, but somebody wrote an article before the season saying this is why LSU can go undefeated and be national champion. You know, the article made a little sense. I just posted it because I have a lot of Alabama friends want to rankle them up a little bit. Dude, people went nuts on me. And People like were even saying we weren't in Georgia's class of elite. And I said we just beat Georgia last year by 20-something points. So I think we're at least in the ballpark with them. And we're the only team, by the way, that's won at least eight games for the last 20 years, other than Boise State, and we know their schedule. So the fact is, is you're telling me that we can't play with these teams. It's crazy. Well, sure enough, one by one. And finally by midseason, all those people that were dogging me on Facebook were like, man, oh my goodness.
0: Oh, they shut Do up think- But listen, I'd be shutting up too with LSU taking names and kicking ass. All right, Scotty, real quick before we get you out of here. We know it's gonna be a home game next Monday night. We know LSU has been a world beater all year, but Clemson, my goodness, they got the heart of a champion. You saw it against Ohio State. Lawrence is going to be the number one pick next year at this time. They're well-coached. They know how to win big games. Biggest key for LSU if they're going to win the National Championship Monday night?
1: Well, the biggest key is they're not playing the defense that Clemson's had the last three years. That's the biggest key. Uh, Clemson's still very good. They gave up only 11 points a game, but we also know their schedule. I'm not taking anything away from Clemson because they are the champions until they're beaten. I think they deserve that respect. Uh, What Dabo Sweeney's done is unbelievable, but if they give Burrow time, I don't care who they're playing, he's going to eat them up. Uh, LSU defense was was getting a lot, lot of, lot of uh, disrespect early in the season. Some of it was warranted, but people had to keep in mind there was never a time LSU gave up all these points and yards when they didn't have already have like a three four touchdown lead. It was kind of nuts. It's like people are like dogging for that, but now when they needed it, they just been shutting people down for the most part. Uh, I think Clemson. Should come in as a team that feels confident. Um, but here's the thing. They have the 30-game win streak, whatever it is. LSU's probably got the most prolific offense in, 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 or one of them, in NCAA history. It's going to be a war. Enjoy it. Um, I wasn't completely on this LSU thing until after the Oklahoma game. I'm just like, listen, I know Oklahoma's not great, but it was so easy. If they can play like that again, I think it's going to be a two-touchdown game LSU wins. Otherwise, if they don't, It's going to be a toss-up, and I, I honestly can't tell you who's going to win, but I like LSU's chances in that dome.
0: Scotty, you are the best. I appreciate a couple of minutes. Enjoy the game Monday night. The best way to get over a brutal loss like you saw Sunday is having LSU under the lights down on Bourbon Street. What a party that's going to be. And, Scotty, I'm just jealous I'm not going to be a part of it, brother. So you enjoy it. We will catch up, I'm sure, early next week, all right? You're always invited. Come on down to Big Easy. Hey, listen, we will make that happen at some point. Maybe for a Dolphins-Saints game with Tua Tunga-Viola quarterback in about two years. How does this sound to that, Scotty boy? That'll
1: be fun, brother. That's what I'm
0: talking about. Scott Alexander, one of the all-time greats. Scotty, you have a wonderful night, all right? All right, bud. Thanks. Oh, such a
1: clutch pickup, Dave. (laughs) I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room.